wherever you listen throughout the world. It's football time! Back to the gridiron, guys. It's your host Zach and Cam joining you this week. Um, but we have a special guest on. We welcome Max Duffy, a former Kentucky Wildcat, Fremantle Docker, uh, Ray Guy Award winner, a few others in there as well. But you know, it's a long list. How are things going, mate? And <laughs> very kind to me. Um, yeah, great, man. Great. Um, just starting the as we were just talking off air, just starting the coaching journey. So um, still in the great state of Kentucky, um, if you can call it that. There's not a whole lot here. Um, but yeah, still here coaching and uh, yeah, not a whole lot else going on. I haven't been home for three years, so I'm hoping to get home in May or June, which would be nice and see the family and some friends. Yeah, very good. So I guess we will go back to a young Max and talking about from WA growing up, I guess, were you fairly sporty and like, I guess looking further forward, did you have an eye on American sports or was it just footy or as we saw basketball as well? Um, yeah, honestly, like growing up, I probably liked basketball the most. Um, when my friends played basketball, I thought I was okay at basketball. Um, you know, played state basketball and all those kind of things. And, and then, uh, realized I probably wasn't going to get much taller than six foot and couldn't really jump. So that, uh, career path maybe wasn't the smartest. Um, so, you know, turned to AFL football, was lucky enough to get selected into the AIS, um, team, the Australian team at 16 and, played some footy really never thought much about it honestly um and just kind of it, it just kept working out like I, I guess I I could somewhat play footy decently well and ended up working out for me I missed out actually on my first draft and um, got picked up in the in the second draft after that and um, so it worked out from there but no real uh thoughts of American football until that that kind of dream came to a halt uh, I remember watching Sav um play for the Eagles but no real dreams of ever playing football outside of creating my own Madden team. Uh, that's about <laughs> it. Yeah, and I suppose you talked about sort of your AFL and the draft year and things like that because you sort of spent a bit of time in the waffle beforehand. Um, you know, was there any sort of point while you were playing the waffle that you you realised you may actually be a chance of getting picked up? Um, yeah, I guess when I was 18, I went through a bit of stuff um, just like off the field that, probably at the time I wasn't able to handle. So um, definitely led to me not playing great football, but I always thought I was good enough. Uh, and I always thought that I would make it at some stage and kind of got through that and put my head down, my ass up and uh, got to training with East Romano and Steve Malaxis, who was my, my former Colts coach. And um, yeah, like I said, I, I really didn't grow up with a lot of guys like a lot of friends and my family, like we love football, but my brother didn't play a whole lot of football and none of my friends played football. So I didn't know the pathway. Like even when I got into the AIS, I was like, I didn't know there was an Australian team. Like I didn't know any of this stuff. So I was just playing for the fun of it. And honestly, it was getting a little bit too serious for me. I just liked playing and enjoying it. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I really was playing in the twos at East Romano and then in the second last scratch match I think I kicked eight or seven or eight goals and they were like well we'll give you a shot in league and then I think I kicked five the next week and like it just kind of happened like I yeah. I never I thought I was good but I I didn't really know the pathway and 
luckily enough, um, had a good season, um, got selected in the state squad for Waffle, but didn't get picked in the team um, and, and you know, kicked a few goals and got injured at the end of the year, missed out on a Waffle grand final, which sucked because I'd always wished I could have played in a Waffle grand final. Um, never got the chance. Unfortunately, it would have been really, really cool to have played in one. So I missed out on that with uh, injury. I think my first game back, I actually played in the reserves grand final. So um, after being out for a while. So, yeah, not to bore you with that too much, but, yeah, just kind of figure, figure that out. And honestly, by the end of the year, like, yeah, I'd talked to some teams and all that, and I thought I was a good chance, but I didn't know the process or anything that went on and was just crossing my fingers and hoping. Yeah, yeah. and, I mean, looking at your career, you you mentioned a bit of injuries but it, that sort of led into the AFL a bit. So that sort of kept you out your first couple of years. But, you, you know, as you mentioned, you end up making your debut in 2014 against Geelong. Um, you lost in a tight game, but things sort of just happened and you managed to kick a couple of snags, including one with, you know, your first touch in the AFL. How was that? Yeah, it was pretty cool. Again, uh, kind of, yeah, just struggled with injury for the first two years. Um, first year, I think I did like four hamstrings. And then the second year, I, I thought I was flying in the preseason and then shoulder popped out the week before round one. So I was playing, I think the waffle started the week before round one and shoulder went and uh, had some nerve issues and was out for about 16 or 17 weeks. But uh, again, worked my ass off and got back into it. And uh, Ross, the boss was uh, nice enough to select me for a game and um, really rooted honestly in that game, which was kind of the coolest bit. Like, I know I got delisted after three years and all that, but my claim is that I only really ever played one game and I thought I played really well. So um, the next year, the next week we played against the Hawks and that was back when the sub used to be around and I literally played like four minutes of game time. Like I ran out there and the siren went. So um, the Cats game was fun. It would have been cool if we, if Monday had to kick that goal after the siren, mm. it would have been an awesome start, but Honestly, I'm just happy to have played and contributed and honestly to pay back because I it's probably one of my disappointments since coming over here. But one of the things I'm proud of is I you got to pay back all the people that are effort into me and they got to fly over and see me play in a game of AFL, which is really cool. I know they got a lot out of it. Although my mum at the time was in Africa and had no idea it was going on. So <laughs> she didn't even get to see it or or know it was happening till she got back. But um no, it was really, really, really cool and uh, definitely a moment I'll cherish for a long time. Yeah, that's unbelievable. I, I suppose what was it like being around Fremantle at that time? They had some pretty good years and five winning the Brownlow in that time. Was it an exciting time to be around the club with Ross and all those? <sighs> yeah, well, it was exciting if you were in the 22. For yeah, guys like was, me. Yeah. But guys like me, honestly, like it was just, you know, you're fighting away. And I think we we basically went minor premiers two years in a row. Mm. We obviously made a grand final in my first year and you just couldn't get into that side. Like we really didn't have a whole lot of injuries. And I remember one time I was like, man, I'm going to get a gig here. Like I remember I got called into Ross Lyons office and Michael Walters had just gone down with like a syndesmosis or something. It was going to be out for like 12 weeks. Well, Ross called me in and was like, all right, or like, going well like this is your opportunity and I said well Ross I think I've done my calf and he was like no nah, you're fine and I was like no nah, I think I have I was out for four weeks with a calf never got a shot so like it was just it was great to be around and honestly like now looking back it was the best three years for like my development as a human and as a person and I know he just got uh brought back as a coach at the Saints mm -hmm. um I'm scared a little bit for those guys, but it's also like the greatest thing of all time that Ross is there because he taught me so much. And as much as I was scared of him and I was definitely 
one of his favorite one or two to pick on. Um, and he definitely took it out on me a lot. I definitely learned so much from him and he was awesome. And the Saints guys are going to love him. It's going to be, it's going to be great. I'm, I'm a little bit jealous. I'm definitely picking them for the top eight this year. Yeah, a bit of a smoky there to keep an eye on. Uh, you mentioned you did get delisted, and that was sort of the end of the 2015 season. Um, and we saw you ended up signing in West Perth in the Waffle again. Did you have any other interest from other like AFL or VFL clubs during that time? Um, I think I really thought I was a really good chance of the Bulldogs. Um, Jason McCartney, who'd coached me um, in the AIS and kind of was looking after Greater Western Sydney for a while when I was kind of in that like pre-draft taking kind of guys. Um, I actually ran into him at a bar in Perth and, uh, we, I said, Hey, and he said, Hey, what's been going on? Like, you know, you seem to be injured all the time and all this. And we had a bit of a chat and he's like, well, I'm at the dogs now. Let me, um, I, I remember that used to be good. Let me look at a little bit and maybe we'll bring you around. And I genuinely thought I was going to, and then it was from reading between the lines it was like between me and Jed Adcock and they went with Jed Adcock, the older more experienced player, which I don't, I don't blame them for. So a um, little bit of interest and, but just kind of injuries had kind of run their course. And also I hadn't played great footy, honestly, half the time. So um, yeah, went to West Perth and again, loved all that and only played for one more year and really was setting myself to play some really, really good football in the waffle. Like I got myself as fit as I possibly could after that one year and I was ready to go and like I wanted to start playing midfield and I was like no nah, I'm going to get back in the AFL and then I got this opportunity to fly over to Melbourne and try out and football was out the window as quick as I thought I was going to be back in so um yeah oh that's that's unbelievable I suppose and and I'm a Bulldogs fan and it's disappointing Jed, Jed Adcock really didn't pan out so maybe <laughs> they made the wrong decision but well they won the they you guys won the granny the next year too and I was so jealous I remember calling my mom <laughs> straight after the grand final and I was like mom I felt like I was so close I would have been in that team like I'd be a grand finalist right now which was a little bit hopeful but honestly I was so disappointed but it's it's all worked out great and I uh, couldn't be happier where I'm at yeah, and you sort of mentioned that sort of going to pro kick and retiring and things like that. Was it? Did anyone sort of scout you out, or what? What led you down that path, or what got you noticed into the pro kick? Yeah. So um, what happened was actually just after I'd gotten delisted, and I was talking to a few teams on maybe getting back on the list. I went to America with a couple of guys that I played with at Fremantle um, in the off season, and we went and watched Cal versus UCLA, which. At the time, we didn't really know, but it was Jared Goff play against Josh Rosen at quarterbacks in college. So mm. it's kind of cool. Um, we didn't know it at the time, but basically we were just looking at guys punt and, uh, you know, trying to take it all in. We didn't know a whole lot about the game. And just one of the guys I was with, Jacob Ballard, said, oh, yeah, my buddy uh, punts in college level. And I was like, oh, really? Like, what team? And he's like, oh, I'll miss. And I knew it from the Blindside movie, so that was probably yep. one of the only teams I would have known. So I was like, wow, that's cool. He played for the movie team. Like, are they good? Are they bad? And I remember we just got chatting about it. He's like, dude, I'm serious. It's not that hard. Send my buddy a message and just see how it goes. So I sent him a message. That guy encouraged me to do it. Um, and then it kind of just all went from there. I contacted the coach. He told me to come around for a tryout. And um, honestly, I I got jealous of my friend Craig Moller at Fremantle, he got delisted the same year as me and he was in the NBL the next year playing for the Sydney Kings. So I thought if that useless guy can do it, <laughs> we take the piss out of each other. If he, if he can do it, I can do it. So um, I didn't want to get left behind. So I was chasing my next dream too. 
Yeah, so it never sort of felt like a bit of a gamble going down the punting road. Um, it did. Like I know there was a lot of people, particularly here. Like, when I say here, I always think I'm in Perth, yeah. <laughs> back in Australia, where uh, like they really didn't understand what I wanted to do. Um, when I told my mum I wanted to go and punt in America for she told me there's no need to go gambling in America. You can just gamble in Australia. So she had no idea what punting meant. Um, and so just little stuff like that. Like I know my dad wasn't the biggest advocate for it straight up, but mm. um, I knew it was a good chance. I knew it was something different. Um, and I thought I could do pretty well at it. So um, gave it a shot. And Ross always told us to take the emotional risk. So I took the emotional risk like Ross talks about and went over and made myself vulnerable and uh, put myself out there to see how I went. Yeah, perfect. And I suppose you did go through the Pro Kick Academy. How was that experience for you? Like, did you have to change your much of your technique or your kicking style when you first got there? Um, uh, Nathan Chapman tried to. Me and him <laughs> had a lot of heated debates over what works the best. And I, uh, I always said to him, like, you can give me input, but I'm just going to do what I want to do. So <laughs> um, me and him had some interesting conversations about technique, but um, really just joined the program loved the guys like what i loved the most about it was we're all guys chasing a dream that had no idea what the dream was like <laughs> we were chasing something we really didn't know much about and we were all poor and we all had no money and we were all living in melbourne off rice and drive through large waters from mcdonald's because we didn't have any money to fill ourselves <laughs> up so um it was it was a hilarious time uh training it 6am our joke at 6am sunday mornings was we'd go for breakfast after and it was well do i want to eat breakfast with all the guys on sunday or do i want to pay my rent so yeah we just always joke about those kind of things so it was a it was a cool experience and one that uh, i'll remember very fondly for a long time yeah and while you were there i was having a look through your socials um and it looks like you got to tour some facilities over in america in 2017 was that a part of that sort of like pro kick america tour that they do yeah. Yeah. So we went over in July. Uh, there's a bunch of us went over and um, again, one of the coolest experiences of all time, like obviously Nathan's connections are incredible and what he's been able to build as a business is incredible, but mm. something that I'll cherish for a long time and honestly got me through a lot of college games was we went to Alabama and I, you know, you, I was five months or four months into joining pro kick and really the only team you know is Alabama and we go and practice at Alabama and there's Nick Saban in his straw hat standing you know two yards from us watching us punt and we know that they want to take a punter so we're mm. like well we're a chance here but like this is very nerve-wracking like this is but I've but that's like the moment where it clicked for me and I was like I love this like I'm back competing like the heart's racing again like I'm back playing sport like it's not just mess mess around anymore like this is Nick Saban I know who this guy is and Lucky enough, I had a pretty good day. Um, he invited me into his office, gave me the whole uh, recruiting pitch, and I really, really thought I was going to end up at Alabama. And they went for an American, which uh, the guy averaged 30 yards over his career. So I don't know who was right and who was wrong after that one. But um, just to meet him, sit down, he gave me the whole, like, here's the he has the famous, like, here's all the rings that I've yeah. won on the table. and. Um, why would you want to go anywhere else? I just put guys in the NFL and um, it was really, really cool um, to be a part of that. And I took a lot of confidence out of like him standing a couple of meters away. And I really didn't know if I was going to be good or not, but him a couple of meters away. And I just, I had a great day. And from then on, every time I was having a bad day or if I was ever nervous, it was like, Hey, I've done this in front of Saban. Like 
I don't care if there's a hundred thousand people, no one's as scary as him. So I'll be fine. Yeah. So it sort of looks like it's a really good experience, you know, to go over there. One, just obviously check out facilities, but also, you know, really beneficial in helping you maybe find a scholarship or getting your sort of name out there in front of guys. Yeah, definitely. And then just to see what you're going to like get yourself into, like Mm -hmm. it just to go over there. And I mean, the facilities are unbelievable. Like I can't stress that enough how different it is. Like you could be in an AFL club and it's like, I mean, Murray State over here, we're FCS, you know, it's a good school, but the facilities are like an AFL system where I think that's bad now, which is crazy (laughs) because like, obviously I was at UK, University of Kentucky and the most incredible facility you could ever imagine. So really cool to go over and see that and just like whet your appetite for like what you're about to get into. Um, And just a great trip just to, you know, hang out with guys, talk to guys that have done it before and, um, do a lot of things that are kind of bucket list things for people. I mean, like going back to it, like sitting in his office or or meeting the head coach of Auburn at the time or Tennessee, like just bucket list things that you are really, really cool. Yeah, perfect. So, I mean, you did mention University of Kentucky. We know you ended up in there. How did that offer come about? And, you know, were there any other schools involved other than maybe Alabama and things like that? Um, so basically you probably talked to a few guys from pro kick before, um, we don't choose. So they just kind of choose for us. And, uh, um, honestly, I had no clue where I was going to end up and got a call from John Smith. Who's the other guy involved. And he was whispering over the phone because his wife was asleep next to him at the time, which <laughs> is so funny. Um, telling me that I was going to Kentucky. And so, you know, his wife's asleep next to him. So I think he's going to hang up the phone and just say, Hey man, Kentucky, like, I'll call you tomorrow. It was an hour long conversation of him whispering, like hilarious, like pull up the schedule. Let's go through it. All this kind of stuff. And this is where you'll be playing. And this is the stadium and all that. He was more excited than what I was, I think. So um, yeah, really, really cool. Didn't know a whole lot about Kentucky. Didn't really know a whole lot about the SEC, um, but I was really, really excited to get there and get started. Yeah, that's unbelievable. I guess we we're going to ask, and I suppose before you just said that you don't get to pick, I was going to say, was the chance to play SEC football just one that was too hard to pass up? I guess fans back here know SEC football more than probably any other conference. Yeah, and and like that's why I feel so lucky. Like I could have ended up anywhere. I know there was a guy that I felt was very similar to me and no disrespect to this school, but he ended up at UTEP. UTEP's, you know, a small group of five school on the border of Mexico and not many fans and the facilities aren't great and, you know, I was lucky enough where I ended up in an SEC school and um, my fifth game, I'm playing in front of 112,000 at Texas A&M. Like you can't like, and there's no, well, maybe a grand final, but there's no Australian football crowd that can match it mm. uh, because it's 112,000, but 110 of them are all like Texas A&M fans and they're going absolutely nuts. And something that like every time I start missing football a little bit and I just want to relive it and pretend that I'm still playing, I just chuck on like the first five minutes of that game and like running out and all the music and like the fans. And I ended up having like 10 punts in that game. And it was just a really, really, it was the first time my dad and my sister had come over and watched me play. And it's just so awesome. Like you can't fathom how big SEC football is till you get over here. You just really can't. And like, especially playing it and being involved, like, the SEC saying is it just means more. And like, it really does just mean more. Like it really does. Like nothing compares to it. I don't care what the big 10 guys, big 12, pack 12 guys say. It's not even close. Like we just absolutely dominate them in every single area. So um, I know in bowl games, like we'll be middle of the tier SEC team. And then we go and roll like the best ACC team because it's not even close. So 
um, really, really fun to be a part of. Um, played in some absolutely unbelievable games um, and some cool, really cool games against some great players too. Like, you know, I'm punting to Kadarius Tony. I'm punting to Miko Hardman. Um, those kind of guys, like that are NFL caliber dudes, and um, yeah, really cool to be a part of. Yeah, I, I guess I had this listed a little bit further down, but you'll probably hate me for this. Um, I'm a massive Tennessee fan, so the rivalry is going to be very strong there. Because I, I mean, I went on exchange for six months, and I didn't get to see football. I went the wrong time of year. But as you just said, SEC football, SEC sport in general, is just another planet. Yeah, we and we only beat them on the time it was a COVID year, which sucks. So like, <laughs> I didn't really get to. They they beat us both of the years, like when we were really good, actually. Yeah. So it was kind of our one Achilles heel. We just couldn't get over them. But yeah, really really cool. And just like even the players you play with, like I play with Josh Allen as pick seven. Mm-hmm. Um, I play. I took Will Levis out for his school visit. Like I'm the guy that they give like say hey go take go take will out and show him a good time around lexington and me and will are good mates he's probably about to be the number one pick in the draft like um doesn't answer his phone as much as he used to but um (laughs) like an awesome dude and like you know just those kind of things that you meet and people probably don't quite fathom that back home yeah i suppose sort of maybe bringing it back a little bit how was your initial move to kentucky you know both football and school wise did you find many cultural shocks coming there um just the all the Australian guys would be the same just like how Americans are in general like think they're the greatest they don't know any other countries they don't know they think like there's 50 countries in the world and it's just the states of America like that's that's all they think about and it's just like no one can beat them and they give you the whole world war champs undefeated and all that kind of stuff (laughs) it's just it's the most cringiest stuff of all time but um yeah uh, the only thing i found that was crazy and most people do when they come over here is the food like it's so easy to be fat here it's so easy and it's been taking so much self-discipline to try and not get above the you know, 200 pound mark because the food here is crazy. So um, that's probably the biggest stuff for me is it's a very different culture of people, but at the same time, like so similar, even though it's on the opposite side of the world, which is really, really cool too. Like the fact I can come over here and speak to them and they know what I'm saying, it it still kind of blows my mind a little bit. And they love sport just as much, if not more as us, which is, which is really cool part of it too. Yeah, and I guess that's the Southern hospitality thing. Like being in the South is just, I mean, it's everywhere in the States is just so different. I think that's probably the best thing about it. But yeah, so being down South is very cool. I suppose going to a school like Kentucky, historically known as a basketball school, what was it like being in the football program there? I know you guys had some good years that probably brought you back and Kentucky basketball went down a little bit. But what's it like going to, because SEC schools, I suppose, are predominantly major football schools. Yeah, it was. It, I mean, coming in, obviously, you heard all the basketball stuff. I knew about the basketball team because, yeah. you know, guys like Rondo. I actually got to meet Rondo one time on the sideline, which was really cool. Yeah. Um, but, like, you know, basketball team's dominant. But it was funny kind of because when I turned up, like, the stat at the moment for Kentucky is we haven't won a March Madness tournament game for four years. And they were the years that I was there. Like, we won in the first year. We we got to the Elite Eight, I think, and lost to Auburn when we had, like, Tyler Hero and yeah. mm. um, maybe Gilgis Alexander and a few others. But um, now it's like they haven't really been winning. So the the really the love of the fans and the love of all the sports media is for the football team, in all honesty. Like Calipari's really starting to annoy a few people, I think, with how he acts. So it's kind of crazy how Kentucky's really starting to get behind the football team while still obviously loving the basketball team a lot. Um, we had a bit of drama in the offseason, which I didn't help out with too much on Twitter, but we were we had the Calipari said this is a basketball school and 
Mark Stoops, our football head coach, come out and said, no, it's not. So <laughs> they, were, they were going at each other for a little bit, which was kind of a big controversy in Kentucky because they're obviously the two biggest teams, um, even though they're the same university. So that was kind of funny. But again, to be on a team or to be at a university where you're getting three to four first round draft picks in the NBA each year is, is phenomenal and such an experience too. Like they sell out Rupp Arena almost every game and it's the biggest basketball stadium in the world or something. Like it's it's on a whole nother level for just sent like amateur sports. So um, really, really cool to be a part of all that. And uh, I just really hope that they'll win because I'd love to go back to Lexington when it's oh, like pumping with a pumping. with a win yeah. game. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. As you see those schools and as soon as the town wins, it's just nuts. And you did just mention before with basketball and football, Mark Stoops, I was listening to something with you talking last night about Mark Stoops and the friendship you've built with him. And I guess some of the stories you've had with him nearly, nearly running him over in Starbucks car park, I believe. <laughs> yeah, me, me and Stoops get along really, really well, um, which was really cool, actually. Like, uh, I know he had his doubts bringing an Australian across. Um, not sure he thought, like, anyone played football except for Americans, which is somewhat true. But uh, <laughs> me and him have a good, really good relationship. And ever, even since I've finished, like, we get along really well. I was, before I took this coaching job, I was doing a podcast um and doing a radio on the main radio show over here in Kentucky which again another really cool experience we just I say we because I feel like I'm still part of that radio program <laughs> just one that outside of the top 10 like towns or like you know New York LA all those like the main yeah. cities just won the biggest sports um radio show in America and the best so I mean we would have like 250 plus thousand listeners a day like it's incredible wow. that radio show so to be a part of that was really really fun and like, you know, Stoops has come, Calabria refuses to come on, which is interesting, but Stoops <laughs> comes on and I kind of like have free reign to kind of get stuck into him a little bit and he takes it really well. So it's really cool to, to be, uh, to be friends with him like that and to call him a friend. And um, yeah, we've had some interesting stories that I can't always say on, on things like this. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's crazy, isn't it? Looking at your actual football career when you sort of started, the first game you suited up for the Wildcats against Central Michigan at home, you know, how are you feeling leading up to it? You know, any sort of nerves? Because especially when one of the niches about the pro kick is you guys sort of train heaps and you're obviously good at what you do, but the first time you actually play a proper game of football can often be in like a Div 1 collegiate football game. Yeah, uh, definitely different. And like, so when you don't, you don't know what you don't know, right? So when I'm first playing, when I'm playing my first game, I'm treating it like it's AFL. So like mm. I'm kind of firing myself up a little bit. Like I'm talking to the boys as if it's footy and I've definitely calmed like, well, I don't play anymore, but in my playing days, I definitely calmed down a little bit after that. Like, Hey Max, you've just got one job, man. Like just stay out of the way. So, um, but yeah, definitely like firing myself up like it's football and treating it like a game, which I think helps, honestly, the guys coming over because you treat yourself like you're an elite athlete that's got to play a position. Um, lots of specialists over here just kind of know their job's very limited and they maybe don't approach it how they should. So, um, yeah, kind of interesting going into it. I was very, very nervous for my first one, um, very nervous for my first one of each year, really. And then once the first one was out of the way, um, I think like sometimes like I'd like to claim that I was good, but honestly, half the time, like I think a lot of the stuff that worked out for me worked out at the right time. Like I had four punts in that game and I can remember most things. So I've got four punts in that game. I averaged 50 plus yards, right? I made 50.5 or something and which is great. Right. But I just felt like I got lucky on the first one, uh, really, really lucky. And then I got lucky on the second one and 
like when I say lucky, like it was a good ball, but I just felt like so many things could go wrong, but that filled me with so much confidence that I nailed the first couple. And then it was just like take off from there. So um, really fun experience played against another Australian and yeah, definitely a memory that I'll, I'll cherish forever. Yeah, that, I mean, that's the thing for everyone. It's such an unbelievable experience, their first game. Your first season, I mean, Kentucky football was in a great place, 10-3. and three. I mean, we just talked about your first game. How did you feel? I mean, looking back at the first season, you probably thought in your first season you knew what you were doing. But I guess looking back through those seasons, how was it? And did you know what you had to build on throughout the years after that? I really wish, I really, really wish that I had a, like had that first season as my last season. Yeah. because of the games we were able to win. Like we went and broke, now people won't understand this back home, but like we went and broke the streak against Florida when we'd lost 34 games yeah, against them. Correct. That's huge. That's massive. Like that's yeah. huge. That's the biggest thing that's happened to Kentucky in like since the foundation of America. Like seriously though. <laughs> so like we went down there and beat them in the swamp, which is crazy, yeah. but it was my second game of college football or something. So like, I'm just like, well, we're better than them. Like who cares? Like, <laughs> what does this matter? Whereas I wish it was my last season because I just like would have cherished it so much more. Like that was such a cool memory um, to be, to start the season. Like we took down Mississippi state, South Carolina at home. We're five and oh, we go on the road to Texas A&M. It's crazy. goes to overtime, like just little things like that. In my first year, we, we beat Missouri on the last second play of the game after holding Drew Locke, who's a first round NFL talent, mm. like to no first downs in the second half. Wow. And and then we beat Penn State by a point or something, uh, or three points, I think we beat them by, um, after almost starting a massive fight in the middle of, at the start of the game with the whole team. Like just little things that like kind of happened that first year were really, really cool. And I wish it was the other way around so I could appreciate it. But now looking back, it was so awesome. And, the draft picks, like the guy, again, like the guys I got to play with, it's really, really cool to see them succeed and to say, like, I played with them and I'm good friends with those guys. So that's that's a cool part of it. Yeah. And you mentioned that um, sort of during that year, that Texas A&M game, the overtime loss, you ended up punting like 10 times or something insane. How are the hammies after that one? Like, I, I imagine you must have been hogging the massage table worse than a 30-year-old reserve grade player. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so... It, I was against Braden Man, and this was the worst thing about that whole game was I had like probably the game of my life, right? Well, not quite, but at the time, the game of my life. I think up until the last punt, which was awful, um, I was averaging 52 yards after nine punts, but it, no one cared because Braden Man was averaging like 63. And like, if I had have stayed above 50, it would have been the first time in a college game where the two punters had had over eight punts and both averaged over 50 yards in a game. So it was just punting back and forth. And uh, Braden Mann, obviously a draft pick, right? Like he had a 82 yard touchback. Like it was, it was a really good weather for punting. And uh, it was really, really fun um, to be, to kind of, I love the games where we didn't score because I got to play <laughs> um, as long as we kind of won in a grind out kind of fashion. But um, yeah, that was, that was cool. Uh wasn't as sore as you'd think I would be. I really, really only punted the ball 10 times. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was cool to be out there and actually get to contribute because my first game against Louisville, which I was looking forward to that year, we didn't punt and that sucked. So I, I hated when we scored points. Yeah, it's, it's such an interesting part of the game. And I guess for you, yeah, it's better being part of it. I talked about Tennessee before and playing in Nayland Stadium. Like, obviously, that's an unbelievable stadium. Is there any other places like Texas A&M or LSU, Death Valley? What were some of the best places you got to play? 
Definitely. I mean, Texas A&M was really fun. Um, yeah. South Carolina, really, really fun. Like South Carolina is probably one of the best atmospheres, even though it wouldn't be a talked about school back home. Um, yeah. One of the best atmospheres by far. Again, we got absolutely killed, but I got nine punts, which was awesome. So like I got to get out there and actually play and had a pretty good game against them. Unfortunately, as a punter, your best games are normally the ones where the team loses. So yeah. you kind of a little bit conflicted when you walk back into the locker room because you're giving yourself a little pat on the back, but you know you can't really smile or do anything like that. So um, kind of interesting, but just, yeah, all those games, like Citrus Bowl against Penn State. Um, mm -hmm. Belk Bowl was really cool against Virginia Tech um, without getting into it too much, but people probably don't follow. We had a quarterback that was a wide receiver because we'd had so many quarterbacks that were hurt. Ended up being Bowden? a round pick, Lynn Bowden. Yeah, and yeah. he got into a fight before the game started and they tried to fight him on three separate occasions during that bowl week. And <laughs> he went from not playing to I'll play wide receiver to, you know what, I'll play quarterback seeing as they want to fight me. And we couldn't, and we still ran for like 400 rushing yards. He had 240 by himself, four touchdowns, and then threw for the winning touchdown to beat him with like 11 seconds left. Like that stuff was really cool to me. Cause I'm like standing on the sideline going like this dude is unreal like and so fun to watch so so many cool memories i had covid when we played at alabama which sucks so i missed nah. that game yeah. um but only a half full stadium so who cares um so but yeah all the stuff really really fun almost beat florida at home where they would have rushed the field that's the one thing i miss out on mm. was they beat florida actually the year after i finished and rushed the field yeah. that would be a cool moment to be a part of like that doesn't happen in australian sports unless you buddy and keep a thousand yeah. goals or whatever it was <laughs> So, like, I miss that because we missed a 30-yard field goal against Florida um, to beat them at home when they would have rushed the field. So, I'm so disappointed about that. But uh, those things happen. Yeah, absolutely. I guess we've, we've sort of talked about that first season. You talked about winning the Citrus Bowl. And, I mean, my highlight I saw from there is you, the last punt, pretty much going to win that game. You pin them deep and leave McSorley no chance. Like, is that a highlight for you, seeing that in the – like, that Citrus Bowl? Yeah, I thought um, – we got into a fight with Nick Sawley at the start of the game. It was the specialists on Kentucky versus the whole entire Penn State team, which was kind of interesting. So, um, yeah, it's a long story, but it was very funny and that we thought we were actually a chance against them. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I hit a couple of nice ones that game that I was happy with. Um, I think my best, like, I think there was, like, lots that I'd be proud of. Honestly, the short stuff was, as Australians, we know, like the stuff that they love, which is like pinning them on the one, is the easy stuff for us. It's more so when you had the big field and you were backed up. Like I, th I hit a 75-yarder when we were snapping the ball from like the two-yard line against Auburn and at, at Auburn. That was massive for us. And then I hit well, – we had to punt after a safety, which is a really unique thing to have to do, but we punted after we got a safety and I hit it all the way back into their end zone and they almost got their own safety. So – they're the two punts where I felt like I did really well, like, and I was happy about, but the pinning them deep stuff is kind of the easy stuff. Yeah. And I suppose looking, you know, how did you find sort of that jump from your first year to the second? You know, you look at sort of results wise and it looked like the team maybe took a step back, you know, having those five losses, but yourself looking purely on like stats and the box score, you racked up more yards, more consistency, and you were just keep, looked like you were kicking a lot more further. Yeah, I think from my first year, I kind of just, you know, dipped my toe in the water and just wanted to see exactly how it worked. Like when you've never played a sport before, you don't know what to expect and how to prepare in a way. 
Um, and so for my second year, I'm like, all right, I got this down pat. Like, um, let's let the AFL like preparation Ross line, like learnings to kick in and let's get after it. So um, thought I had a really good year. Um, obviously, like you said, the team didn't go well, but had a really good year and um, obviously got rewarded, uh, rewarded at the end of it um, with, with an award, which was really cool to pay back my family and, you know, all the people that have put a lot of time into me or, you know, your dad driving you to trainings when you're 13 or something like that, or, you know, even your mum not being able to see you for so long because she's living on the other side of the world and you make it worthwhile for them that you've done it and you get to pay them back. Like I feel very privileged that I was able to win that award because they get a physical, you know, trophy and I'm actually about to go to a ring ceremony next week. They're giving us all rings for winning winning the award, which is really, really cool. And get to bring those home and show your family like, hey, I actually won this. Whereas if you come second or if you're 50th in the country, your parents and your family still sacrifice, but you don't get that physical thing to show them that says like, hey, it was all, you know, to some degree worth it. So um, really, really fun year, really cool. Um, and like just an awesome thing to be a part, like to go to the ESPN Awards. Um, another thing that was really cool, like I'm sitting one row behind Jalen Hurts and Jalen Hurts comes over and congratulates me on winning an award, like what a dude, and he doesn't have to say hello. And Joe Burrow is winning the best quarterback that year and LSU is about to win the tour. Like it was just, just to be around those guys. It's uh, it's not something a punter should be allowed to do, to be honest. Yeah, and especially like an Australian punter, I guess it's a pinch yourself moment and that was really my next question is like, yeah, Ray Guy Award, first team all SEC, first team all American. Like when you started with Pro Kick, I know there's been Pro Kick guys that have won the Ray Guy Award and you guys are always up there. Um, is it something you thought was possible going into this? Um, I remember like being in my apartment in Melbourne while I was training and just like loving all the process of what we were going through and really hoping the best and watching Tom Hackett highlights like nonstop. Um, he won two in a row at Utah and being like, trying to work out if you could do it, like trying to be like, well, this is how far he kicked it and trying to time it. And I think I can do that. Like, I'm not sure, but I'd never get a no until I put the helmet on and get out there. And and then you you kind of get into it and you're like, I'm a chance here. Like, I think I'd, I'd be a good chance next year. I remember um, when I finished, I think I finished just inside the top 10 in average in my first year. And we have our little off season catch up where the guys come and travel and Nathan Chapman and me were talking and he said, uh, what's the plan? I said, well, I'm, I'm going to try and win it this year. I think I'm a good chance if I win it. And then if I win it, I'm going to try it. Like the NFL is going to give me a shot. So um, let's, you know, put my head down my ass up and then let's get this thing done. And I, I managed to actually do it. I think like that naivety of belief that you can actually do it helped me a lot. Um, when I really shouldn't, like if you do the math, you really shouldn't win it. Um, but I really kind of thought I was a really good chance and it probably helped me with my mindset of like, of just being positive about it all the time. Yeah. It's, it's just a huge award and it's so cool to see you guys get that. I mean, looking at that whole season and then you go into something like 2020 COVID hits and it just basically like basically sends the whole league into a meltdown almost. Um, you know, how did that sort of change your structure and what you were doing at the time? Like with, you know, training and competing and things like that. Yeah, I found it really hard. Like, I was in the shape of my life ready to go again. Like, I was like, all right, I got probably one more year here. Like, I had two left in the bank, but I got one more year here. Like, let's let's make sure, let's be even better. 
And I was in the shape of my life and then COVID hits and it's like, well, you're locked in your apartment for a month or two months or whatever it was. And then even practice and weights wasn't the same. Like we're doing weights, but you're having to spray down the bars and, you know, you can't talk to the guys and you can't really, you know, spend the extra, like they talk about guys being first in, first out. Like I'm not always for that, but you want to be in the facility for the time that you need. Well, you couldn't do it with COVID. So your preparation was like just thrown out the window and, I found it really hard, like another Ross thing, like if you want to be consistent in your performance, you'd be consistent in your preparation. And I couldn't be consistent in my preparation with COVID. So I know everyone was up against the same thing, but for me, I found it hard. I found it hard going out there and this sounds very uh, snobby of me, but I found it very hard to go out there when you're used to 60, 70, 80, 100,000 and you go out there and there's 10, it's like... Yeah you know, this is a practice game. Like I, I want, I want, I need some adrenaline, like let's get it going. So um, that was kind of tough for me. And honestly, the saddest part about it was you finish your career that I thought I, you know, had a good one. I was really proud mm-hmm. of it. And you don't get your parents or your family can't come over and see it because of COVID and they don't get to, you know, they do the senior night thing where all the people's families come and the families don't get to come out in the field and my family can't even be there. And it kind of sucked to, finish your career and not get to do it in the way that they usually did. Um, that that kind of hurt a lot. Um, I could have played another year, but it was time to be done and, and to take on the next challenge. Yeah, it's fair. Uh, yeah, it's super disappointing, obviously, those senior nights are so big and you guys obviously didn't get that. But, I mean, in that in that season, beating Tennessee and Knoxville for the first time since 84, massive for the program. I said you said Florida was probably the biggest thing since Kentucky football. I mean, that's big for the program. You also had the bowl game versus NC State and – probably one of your best punting highlights we saw as well, rolling out, selling some candy and then getting it on the boot. Yeah. So we had a kind of a weird year during COVID. Like we lost our offensive line coach, who's really was a really big part of the team. Um, he's on the wall and he passed away with cancer. And then we had a, we had a teammate that um, had a brain aneurysm and uh, basically ended up in a wheelchair without being able to move his arms and legs. So it was a very like emotional year um, for all of us. And for the team, like I remember the coach, you know, was so nice to me and I loved him. I sent him some messages when he's in hospital and all that kind of stuff. And he passes away. And when he passed away, I had COVID. I can't even go like to the funeral that was outside and all that. Like you're just sitting there and it just sucked. It was, it was a shitty year and uh, really annoying. Thank God we passed it. But um, to finish off the year how we did um, was really, really cool and definitely a reward for for effort and to beat an ACC team is nothing better because just means more SEC is too dominant. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that was, a, that was a bit easy. We had a funny thing during the game. We fired our offensive coordinator because we really couldn't get things going. So we had the recruiting coordinator whose name's Vince Marrow. He's probably one of the highest paid assistants in all of college. Well, we put him as offensive coordinator and no one knows. He doesn't know how to call offense. So we <laughs> ran 37 plays in a row to the left because he wow. didn't know how to flip the call to the right so nc state's <laughs> like when are they going to run it to the right and we just never did it so he didn't know what was going on and that's a hilarious hilarious thing but uh yeah kind of had that moment that went viral on espn and um at the time honestly like it just happens naturally because it's football right like that's afl footy but you don't realize like what it looked like or kind of th- and i mean i think it was pretty cool um, looking back now, and I haven't seen anyone be do similar things, um, particularly, particularly with how in close it was. Like you mm. see the odd guy run around, but there were so many guys in close and kind of stepped in and 
he's a pretty good player too. Like he plays for the Jags now and he was talking a bit of trash before the start of the game, telling me he was coming to block it. So uh, he still owes me a lot of money for all the candy he bought off me that day. <laughs> I mean, and about that one, like when it comes to punting, a lot of the coaches just want you to go out and do your thing. Did, you know, I hope none of the coaches ever got into you about improvising with stuff like that. When I came off the field, this is no joke. And I can't, I mean, I don't know if you're allowed to swear on this podcast, oh, probably no, not, but it. Uh, <laughs> it was one of the funniest things of all time. So I was kind of pissed off because I was like, you know, I, I thought it was good. Like, yeah, I got that off and that was great. But I was like, what happened? Like, who gave that up? Because we're trying, I'm figuring it out. And I knew that we'd like, you know, just whiffed on a block and get off. And I'm expecting the coach to be like, you know, well done, man. Like, and then go figure it out. The head coach is like, what the fuck? What was that? <laughs> he said, what were you doing? I said, well, coach, he was about to block it. He goes, what? No, he wasn't. What do you, do? stop doing that bullshit. Just kick it. And I'm like, coach, like, what's, no, that's not right. And this is Stoops going at me. It's the head coach. Thankfully, we got along so I could tell him he was wrong, but he didn't believe me at the time. Well, we get back onto the plane, like, I think it was later that night or maybe the next day. And uh, he gives me the fist bump and goes, oh, I just watched the replay. You were right. I said, yeah, I, I know. I know. <laughs> so it was very, uh, it was a funny time uh, when that happened because they really don't understand Australian football and Australian football guys' skills. Um, and that's one thing over here. Like, we know punting better than they know punting, to be perfectly mm -hmm. honest. And it, and but it makes sense. Like, that's not an arrogant thing to say. It just makes sense. We've grown up doing it. They grew up throwing um, but try telling an American that you're better than them or something and it, it doesn't quite go down well. So, um, yeah, it's tough to for a lot of the Australian guys. I was lucky I had some great coordinators and coaches that kind of let me do my thing to a certain degree. Uh, lots of guys come over here and they're not they don't get the same level of trust. So um, I'd love for to just fly every special teams coordinator over and make them watch a game at the MCG so they can see like what we can actually do and what is normal and like high percentage. Um, because it's definitely misunderstood. Oh, 100%. I think the more that Chappie and Johnny get, get stuck in and get more boys over there, I think it's they're, they're, it'll it'll just take over more than it already has. But I suppose you finished up 2020, as you mentioned, and then we saw you were drafted by in the CFL by the Argonauts and then undrafted free agent to the Broncos. I mean, you spent a couple of weeks there. How, how was that just as an experience? Yeah, Johnny Johnny Smith, I think, chucked my name into the CFL draft because I didn't know I was nominated. <laughs> Uh, I literally didn't know I was nominated and neither did Aaron Sipos. He got picked up the same year and I texted oh, him and I said, you know, I think Johnny's entered our name into this draft because we both just gotten drafted. And he said, what? <laughs> I said, I don't know, mate. Like, I think we have. And then Johnny was straight on the text, like, congratulations, boys. We're like, that was you. <laughs> but I like, honestly, like, actually a really cool thing to be, I mean, I got drafted AFL, um, CFL, USFL, like, that stuff's that's kind of cool. So cool. um yeah, it was it was fun. And I talked to the Argonauts a little bit and discussed whether I would entertain the idea of going over there at some stage, but it's just with visas and other things that aren't worth yeah, talking yeah. about. It's just not worth it. But um, and then yeah, um kind of really disappointed, honestly, on draft day that I didn't get the call. Um, thought I was a good chance, thought I'd done enough. Um, but for whatever reason, these things happen and uh had Broncos special teams coordinator heavily during the process um, to the point where he'd almost given me the tick of this will happen. Um, and so I thought I was a really good chance. Um, he gave me the call maybe 
I just remember being so disappointed on draft day, like so devastated, just more so for everyone that, again, like everyone that puts the time into you, it's just like, man, like they're all getting their hopes up. And like my family stayed up all night and they got to go to bed. And it's like, what do you even say at that point? You just go, well, mm-hmm. it is what it is. But, um, you know, three days later or whatever it was, get a call. Hey, come work out. Basically, if you're healthy and you kick well, we'll, we'll um, went there, managed to kick well. Uh, got signed later that afternoon, which probably the proudest moment in my life, like just to be able to sign an NFL contract um, was really, really cool. And again, a bucket list item that like not many Australians get to do. And I mean, it bothers me that I never got to play a game, but to just like, that sounds rude of me to say, knowing the opportunity that I got just to be able to sign a contract and, and to be in that building and to be able to walk out there with those guys and, um, just the coolest experience, like to be a part of it and to get to the opportunity to compete. I thought I did really, really well, honestly. Like I, I thought I, I did a, I did myself a no disservice of what I did during spring. Um, for whatever reason, they went the other way, but just really, really cool. I got given the number fifteen, so they were all calling me Tebow the whole time. <laughs> um, so that was that was pretty funny. Uh, I'd met Von Miller before, so I actually talked to Von Miller pro- probably more yeah, than any of the guys. So. Wow that was actually kind of cool. Like, you know, um, Super Bowl MVP and you can go have a chat and talk about things. So that was kind of fun. Um, and again, like, that's why I feel so lucky. Like I feel bad when I say I'm disappointed that certain things didn't happen, but you get to that point and you really want, you know, to achieve things. And then when they don't work out, you get disappointed. But looking back now, I'm super happy. Like I know how many guys back home would be like, man, that's cool to have say that you sign an NFL contract and been out there and, played and you know competed with some of those guys so it's pretty fun uh, i'm disappointed it didn't turn into more had a few more workouts that i really thought were going to eventuate into anything and didn't and then uh played some usfl which was kind of uh interesting but yeah loved every minute of nfl and um, wish it had lasted longer yeah i mean and you you do sort of mention like you you were sort of disappointed but you obviously understand the gravity of where you're at and how lucky you were but i think that just sort of shows like obviously your work ethic and you know it's clearly why you've been able to get so far in your career because you just like can keep continue to want to go further and keep pushing it like and you just won't stay no essentially by the sounds of it yeah i never felt like i had a dustin fletcher or a sav <laughs> or a ben graham leg honestly i just thought like i'm just gonna work and and be so consistent that they can't mm. they can't say no like you ask any of the guys in pro kick like i can't kick the ball like aaron sipos or mitch wishnowski but what i can do is is get close and just do it at a and just repeat it over and over and over again and felt like that's what i did at the broncos like i i didn't kick a ball under four seconds and didn't kick a ball under 40 yards the whole you know 60 odd punts which is hard to do like it's hard for your bad ones to not be bad so I thought I was you know consistent to a certain extent and I had some really good punts there and um you know tried my ass off but it is what it is like if they don't want it they don't want it so um yeah I I was really really happy I kind of I've you know, again, Ross Lyon, like you get to the end of it and no stone left unturned. You gave it all you could. You took the emotional risk. You did what you had to do and you control what you can control. And if if it doesn't work out, at least you can look back and know you did everything you could. So I feel uh, I go to bed at night very content that I did all I could uh, in the sport and uh, now moving on to trying to help others achieve their dreams. Yeah, I, th- I guess that's the biggest thing in terms of there's, there's no regrets for you, which is fantastic. I guess a lot of people might leave and have regrets or things they wish they did and you've left it all out on the table, which is unbelievable. Um, 
you talked about the USFL and we looked at your Twitter bio. I thought, was there a change of career on the cards with the uh, QBR of 118 completing a pass? Yeah. So the USFL was hilarious. So we get that. <laughs> so like, I think, I, so the day of the draft, I think I'm getting drafted by the New Orleans Breakers, right? The, the head coach had called me, the special teams coordinator had called me like 20 times. Hey, make sure you sign up. Hey, make sure you sign up. We're getting drafted, we're getting drafted, we're getting drafted. I'm like, cool. All right, awesome. Like this will be a great chance, a great chance to go out there and, and try and prove all these guys wrong that I can spiral in the pocket because that was the thing that where they're like, well, they can't spiral in the pocket, which was ridiculous, but it is what it is. So we get to the draft day. Well, they don't draft me. They draft someone else. And I'm like, what's going on? So like I've gone from telling all my family and my friends like, hey, I'm going to have to move away in a couple of weeks because I'm getting drafted to holy shit. They just picked someone else. <laughs> Thankfully, the phone rings three seconds later and it's like, hey, I uh, know we haven't talked to you, but this is the general manager of the Pittsburgh Maulers. We're actually going to take you with the next pick. And like, just because of the shock of like missing out on the breakers, which honestly I was very happy about, but I was mm. just like, you know, this is business. Like I'm, mm. this is not where I want to be. I want to get to the next level. I wasn't, I was happy, but it is what it is. Because of the disappointment of missing out on the breakers, when that guy called me, I was like broke down. I was like, this is the greatest thing of all time. Like, thank God he's given me a shot. Because yeah. I thought my opportunity was done. And so for them to take a shot on me and, and to give me the opportunity was awesome. Like, I remember talking in front of the team um, one of the first weeks we were there and we had he his big thing, our head coach was like, get up here and tell me why. Tell me why, like to everyone. And I was like, I almost like broke down in front of the team and was like, this coach is giving me a chance when no one else will. And hopefully it leads to something because I know I'm working hard and it's just hard to get spots when there's only 32 things. So stand up in front of the team and say that. And then we get to the first game and I don't know how much you guys are across the USFL, but they have these chips in the ball oh, for the first game. Yeah, right. And it's like, it's literally like kicking a rock. Like I can't <laughs> even exaggerate it. That's not me. up. I'm happy to tell you when I'm terrible. It was like kicking a rock. The ball wouldn't compress. So you couldn't punt. You just couldn't. Like first it felt like your foot was going to break and the ball would just go off on weird angles. So... <laughs> Of course, just my luck, the first game of USFL, I have like nine punts and we can't score. So my average is like 37 in the first game. And I'm like, mate, I'm like calling my agent. I'm calling my parents back home. Uh, hey, I'm not that bad. Like, this is ridiculous. Like, the, my foot's broken. Like, I kid you not, like, the picture of my foot the next day was just as if, like, I'd hit it with a hammer. Like it was just one of the guys had to withdraw. One of the kickers had to pull out of the league because he'd split, like he'd burst so many blood vessels in his foot that his foot was just purple and gross. Like he was actually going to sue the league. I think he ended up doing it, Um, but they might've given him a payout of some sort, but it was ridiculous. So the next two weeks, like, you know, your foot's recovering while you're trying to play because they end up taking the chip out of the ball because of that. And uh, it was chaos. And like, I was like, man, this sucks. Like foot feels like it's broken. I'm trying to punt. And then it kind of got to the fourth week and starting to feel better and felt like I had a really, really strong like back end of the season. And we started running some trick plays on special teams as well, which was kind of fun, like letting me throw it. And we had one where like I had to hold and flip it over my head and we got a touchdown on that play. And like, it was fun. Our team was terrible, which sucked, but um, <laughs> it was really, really fun to be a part of and be around some guys. Um, punted to Kevontae Turpin, uh, which oh, wow. is the Cowboys punter yeah, in that. Yeah. I mean, punt returner in that. Um, didn't have a yard against me, or he might have had one. So I was very yeah. happy about that. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I finished the season with some 
you know, if you just count my last six games, some good stats. So I was happy with what I did. The ball was pretty terrible and it was a bit of a strange league. But again, thought I did what I could uh, with the with the opportunities given to me. And actually really fun. Like I'll, even though like I kind of pulled out of my contract and decided not to play, I'm more of a Pittsburgh Mauler fan than I am any NFL team, honestly. <laughs> so hopefully they can win a few games this year. Yeah, I suppose what is it like being a part of, you know, a brand new league and even just like a brand new franchise that they basically created out of nothing? It's pretty funny. Uh, we, like, it feels really cool to like, I, you know, I can tell my kids, or well, hopefully if I have kids, but I can tell my kids or my my uh, my brother's kids anyway um, that I played in the first game of USFL, like when they, you know, they might not stay around, but it's still kind of funny to play in that, like, pretty cool little league that they created and and to play in it and with they had a mini series going where it was kind of like hard knocks but it was for the usfl and they were taking each week and we had the guy that got cut on our team because he had a fight with our coach because he wanted pizza and they didn't have pizza for food i don't know you guys wouldn't have seen it but it made like uh. national news over here <laughs> like he wanted pizza for lunch and we didn't have it and so they got into a fight and we cut him and like I'm on his team and like, I'm trying not to laugh when they're telling us this stuff in the team meeting. And like, it was just a bit of a all over the place show for a little bit. And then it, it started to like, they started to get their head around like how to run the league and how to do it after that. And it was actually really, really fun. But um, yeah, different, different experience playing the USFL. Oh, as you said, massive, like all the things I get, a lot of things you're doing is like massive bucket list things and people just aren't going to get that opportunity to do. And you mentioned earlier in the show talking about Pin It Deep, the podcast. Like, I mean, for you, how did you find doing that? You like, like the audience is excellent. Like in terms of UK, they're always going to follow it. And you've had some great guests that, I mean, we'd love to leverage off a bit of Wendell <laughs> Robinson, but like you get great guests and you get to talk to people. And, and how did you find the whole podcasting game? Yeah, it was interesting because um, I, so I, got cut by the Broncos and then um, got to work out with the Minnesota Vikings the next week. And it was, no, we're not, sorry, not the next week. Once the preseason had started and I really, I'd just been training. Like there was nothing going on in my life except training. I had a bit of money and from agents and stuff like that. And I was just training, training, training. I get a workout with the Vikings and I'm like, the Broncos coordinator has given me this spot. Like I'm going to get this spot. Well, I get, I don't get the spot. Like, I'm like, okay, I'm the only one to work out and I had the medical and I passed it. Why am I getting the spot? But I don't get it. And so then it's like, well, what am I going to do? Because my plans were the NFL. Like, I don't have a backup plan. Like it, it was kind of silly, but I was just like, I'm all in on this. So when I missed out, I'm sitting at home for the next two weeks, going and working out and punting footballs. But I'm like, I can't keep doing this. Like I'm getting sick and tired and bored. Like what can I do? And so I was like, I can talk football better than these guys over here. Like they do the Kentucky football. So I'm just going to do my own podcast. So I call up the guy that is runs the Kentucky sports radio, which is the one that I ended up joining and just said to him, Hey, can we have a chat? And he's like, sure. And I, he said, what do you want to do? I said, I've got no clue. And he's like, well, do a podcast and see how it goes. So we had to do like two trial podcasts for him before he let us use his platform to go on. And I was me and a previous kicker and, we did it. He seemed to like it. We chucked it on. We had all the guests, obviously, which was fine because we knew all the players um, and people loved it. But we couldn't believe like, yeah, I mean, you guys would be similar. Like when you go into it, you don't know what to expect and you don't know what like what works and what doesn't. We just wanted to be funny and tell some stories and like try and be as entertaining as we could. And 
um, you know, we said, if we can get 500 people to listen, we'll be over the moon. Well, our first one went for like 15,000. Wow. So we're like, we're like, okay, like, is this normal? Like, how do we start making money off this? Um, next one was like 18 or something. Then we get, we get stoops on, it's like 35. Like, shit. we're like, oh shit, you know, like it's going well. And UK fans, that's just because UK fans are crazy. Um, but like they loved it and we were getting good, we were getting guys to say things that they wouldn't say. Like they would start using our podcast for clips. And um, one thing that people don't know, which uh, if they listen to this, Kentucky people would find this interesting, but Australian people won't care. The second <laughs> season, what we had planned to do was we had had Will Levis agree to do our version of Aaron Rodgers on Pat McAfee. So we were going to have Will every single week and Will was going to be a number one, still might be a number one draft pick, right? So we were going to get paid a good amount of money to do this show because like we've got Will every week and ESPN is going to use it. Like Kentucky's going to use it. Everyone. Well, we got into some back and forth, not with Will, but with his agency and a few other people that were involved and it never ended up happening, which was a real shame. Um, But that would have been cool. But like me and Miles ended up doing quite well out of the well, when I say quite well what were better than what we thought out of the podcast and then I started getting onto the radio and doing the radio stuff and really fun doing pre-game shows and post-game shows for the football and yeah really really cool and again something that people probably back home won't understand but over here like the fan base of that radio show is unbelievable and it's so cool like I get more people stopping me for photos for that radio show than I do for football and I've had since I've been on this campus I've had more people say, I've heard you on the radio than people that have said like, oh, I know you played at UK. So, yeah. I mean, there was a guy you just mentioned there as well. Um, another one, Pat McAfee. I know that you guys had a bit of a social media clash, I suppose. <laughs> that would have been a bit interesting. And talking about sort of fan bases, I-, I can imagine maybe a few people sort of came after you after that one as well. Yeah, me and Pat had a disagreement um, <laughs> over whether you should kick the ball into people's ass or not. Um, <laughs> I, I still stand by what I said. He didn't like it too much. Um, it's funny, like, because, you know, like Pat obviously knows who I am and I know who he is clearly because he's mm-hmm. the best media special teams guy of all time. Yeah. Um, but when I'm tweeting, I'm tweeting because of my podcast, I'm tweeting because of the radio, like you kind of one thing I love about being a coach is I don't have to do that anymore. Like I don't have to try and build my following on Twitter. So I don't have to say like what my opinion is and put it out there and then be prepared for ridicule. So um, I just, you know, he was talking about like how it wasn't because he's best friends with Morstead and he's talking about how it wasn't Morstead's fault. And I'm like, dude, stop looking after your friend and like, just tell the truth. So I just tweeted it like thinking like the pin it deep people will like this, like my podcast people will like it. (laughs) Well, he came back at me and I'm like, oh shit. Okay. Like Pat's ready to go. He's a bit fired up here. And then he waited four weeks. Wow. He he, come at, and he waited four weeks until an Australian messed up in a game and then yeah. went at me and said, well, an Australian did something wrong and you didn't say anything. I'm like, oh, was that Dixon? I don't watch, I don't watch every Sunday football <laughs> game. Like I didn't even know that happened. Like I was like, dude, pump the brakes. So um, it was funny because I did, you know, obviously he was coming at me, I getting people messaging me and stuff. I thought it was quite funny. And then yeah. one thing I probably was surprised about, and I think he was surprised about was our radio show listeners are so fanatic and love us so much that they started getting on his podcast and oh, his really? show and like going at him, which he's never had before because like <laughs> no, people no. just love him. Yeah. So he had his first little bit of like negative, like pushback, which um, was kind of funny. So 
Yeah, he uh, he don't like the Australians too much. I know he tried to make it out like I don't like the Americans. I literally run camps for Americans over here, and I'm coaching over here. Um, yep. But yeah, he he's not a big fan of us coming over and and taking some of the jobs. And um, it is what it is. We uh, we got well. I think it's a uh, it's a fun beef. I'm not sure if he feels the same way. No, oh, we thought it was brilliant. Yeah, and that's the thing. I suppose you can just take a bit of tongue in cheek. But as you just mentioned, the kicking camps and coaching like i suppose just to wrap this up here future plans for you obviously we just found out you're at murray state and what's the role there and what else are you planning on doing in the next bit of time yeah so i had some kicking camps going where we were doing kickies punters and snappers and i really i've really wanted to coach my whole life i really wanted to coach afl football to be honest to start off with and um, when i was just before i came over here i was talking to the west perth head coach about how can i get on like i was like 23 and i'm already mm. going like, how can i get on the coaching staff like i didn't really care to play that much honestly so um had those conversations and then came over here obviously got put to the back burner but just like i said briefly before like the media stuff was great don't get me wrong and it's awesome and it's fun you, my only thing my only job was to get on a radio show for two hours and to talk nonsense and to do a podcast and do that but it just isn't sport and it's just not the feeling you get from being playing or being involved. Mm -hmm. And I just missed it so much. I don't want to talk about it. I want to be involved in it. So, um, you know, it wasn't scratching the itch, even coaching the guys. And I loved all the kids that came down to our camp and our camp's still going with uh, Grant McInnes, who was a former punter running it. Um, but it just wasn't doing it for me. Like I just got to be involved and I, I love winning and losing on a Saturday. Like, I want to know what my results are. I don't want to ever be the finance or no offense to finance people or, you know, my brother's <laughs> finance. So I can say that, or, you know, the engineer or whatever, like, mm. sure, they're doing a lot for the community and I appreciate what they're doing, but they don't get to find out if they win and lose on a Saturday. Like they don't get to see the scoreboard at the end. And I want that feedback of, are we winning or are we losing? And got a really good opportunity to come coach here at Murray State, work with the specialists, um, learn bit more of special teams and then try and learn some offense and defense, which has been great. And I um, think i got a lot to offer. I've got a master's in sports psychology and just really passionate about giving guys an opportunity to live out their dreams. Like I've been able to, um, you know, everyone has the coaches that they love, which they really, you know, thank a lot for helping them get to where they are, but they also got a few coaches where you're like, man, you screwed me. Like, I just wish you could have been better. And so like, I want to, you know, hopefully be that guy that can help these guys get to where they want to get to. And um, we're going to work really hard this year on getting some wins. This program's been down for a few years. Um, we're trying to get it back up and going. So super excited to be a part of that. And hopefully, honestly, like long term, I want to be a special teams coordinator um, at the college level and um, be the first. I probably would be the first Australian um, to ever to ever do that. So I really, mm. really want to do that. I know I was the first AFL player, I believe, um, maybe outside of one to to punt before Aaron came over um, that had played an AFL game and a college, well, yeah. SEC, I was the first. Yeah, so um, that was cool. And I'm just trying to do things other people can't do. So hopefully can be a special teams coordinator over here at some stage and, uh, and keep writing my own story. Yeah, and I hope are you looking to bring over any of um, the famous Ross Boss, Boss Ross um, sprays? <laughs> oh, I don't know about the sprays because I don't want the guys to feel like how I felt sometimes. Like I, you know, Googling nearest bridge and stuff like that. It was getting pretty bad at some stages. But um, I've definitely tried to keep out like the mean Ross and bring in all the positive stuff. Like it's funny. If he heard my speech to them today, 
we do like meet 45 minute meetings and I'm just working on a few different aspects of special teams, but it's about developing yourself as a person. If he heard that it's 90% Ross, like he'd be like, you stole that all from me, but his stuff is awesome. And it was really, really great. And it taught me so much. So um, yeah, I I hope maybe if it falls through and I ever have to come back to Australia, there's a spot on the St. Kilda coaching staff for me. Yeah. Well, we look, we love that. And as I said before, Thanks for joining us on today. It's been really pleasurable talking to you, but, um, you know, we can't wait to sort of see what we do and what you're getting up to this year. And, you know, probably have to keep an eye out for Murray State and yourself going forward. Yeah, appreciate it. Hopefully we can get Murray State remembered for more than just Jar Morant. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh, yeah, this see is how true. We go. Yeah. All right, boys, appreciate it. Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. Thanks for letting us in your crib. It's been real.